Good morning, friends. Good morning. Welcome on this Trinity Sunday, first Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Ilyan, one of the pastors here. So grateful that we can gather to worship and praise God together. Uh, all of you, uh, but especially for those of you who may be joining us for the first time or who's nominally new, whether it be here or online, from wherever you may be, we welcome you. I'm so grateful to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Nathan. How can they connect with us this day? Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to find in your pew the pew pad, or if you're online with us, you'll find the online registration. Be sure to share your information that we can continue to share with you, ways to connect, ways to thrive, ways to disconnect from the world and find yourself here, that we are spiritually fed and nourished to reconnect in a holy and loving way to our community and our neighbors. Um, that is what we are about as a church. And as a church, we have many opportunities for you to engage further. Today begins our common space, room 108 at 945. Meet new friends, reconnect with old friends. It's just a time during the summer where we can grow together stronger as a community of faith so that, again, we go into this world bringing God's love. Now let us receive God's love today as we continue this time of worship.
Let us continue to praise God by affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us continue to join our hearts and our voices together as we offer our confession before God. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. In spaces of idleness, inspire growth. In moments of doubt, may grace abound. In times of uncertainty, reassure us of your promise. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The epistle reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with the 11th verse. Finally, brethren, farewell. Mend your ways, heed my appeal, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 28, beginning with the 16th verse. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's the first Sunday uh, after Pentecost. As mentioned, it's Trinity Sunday. 
Today, when we affirm and rejoice in the mystery of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, the triune God, uh, it is not an easy doctrine. In fact, it's one of the questions that we ask at Board of Ordain Ministry before would-be pastors are approved to be the ordained pastors in the United Methodist Church. Some people seem to be very clear about it. Some other folks seem to be confused about it, and there are others who don't really care too much about it. Uh, be that as it may, for us uh, Christians, for us United Methodists, the triune God is fundamental and foundational to our faith. Yet this theology was not always so crystal clear. There was a whole lot of different conversations and disagreements surrounding that which we take to be so certain today. Most notably, what's known as the Arian controversy dating back to the early fourth century. It was between the two theologians, Arius and Athanasius, both of whom were Christian theologians from Alexandria, Egypt. It lasted for many, many years, and it was finally, quote-unquote, resolved in the year 381 at the Council of Constantinople. Uh, so if you go to seminary, you're going to learn about all of that. Right? One cannot stress enough how important these things were. What we take for so granted now, I mean, I can't imagine people think we have disagreements today. I can't imagine the veracity of debate that surrounded something that is as perennial and important as the triune God. Disagreements, debates, controversies. Uh, Paul talks about this in the Second Corinthians. The Gospel of Matthew speaks of this, alludes to this, till the very end. You may have noticed that uh, our passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 28, these verses uh, are how these books end. Uh, that is to say, this is, how, this is how Paul ends his letter to the church in Corinth. And this is how Jesus ends Gospel of Matthew. These are their last words. So let's start with Paul in 2 Corinthians. If you go back, 1st and 2nd Corinthians for that matter, there's the usual obligatory greeting uh, and some salutations. Uh, I, I pray for you. It gives me great pleasure to cry with you. And then shortly after greeting, uh, true to Paul's style, he lays into the church in Corinth. Now, he tells them all the things that they are messing up on, the disputes, uh, the conflicts, playing favorites, neglecting responsibility. goes on and on and on for 13 chapters in 2 Corinthians. Douglas Campbell is a New Testament scholar from Duke Divinity School. He, he was there while I was there. He's still there today, and he made it his life work to study the life and theology of Paul. And for the church in Corinth, Dr. Campbell counts 15 distinct real problems within the life of that church. Any one of these 15 problems, Dr. Campbell writes, could have sp split the church into pieces. 
15 problems. We talk about the dysfunctions of the church in the 21st century, more specifically for us, the divisions within the United Methodist Church. So here's the good news and bad news about that. Okay, here's the bad news. It's true. The problems are real. Like, we've got problems. Like, real problems within the life of the church, within the United Methodist Church. So that's the bad news. Here's the, I think it's good news. I mean, there's the real good news coming later, but I think this is good news. <laughs> uh, you're not telling us anything new. Like, we've had these problems. <laughs> we know we got problems, the world. We're the ones who live with them every day, every, every Sunday, every week. You're not telling us anything new. We've had these problems for dozens of centuries. In an odd way, at least for me, Apostle Paul offers a weird comfort uh, because Paul lets me know through his letters to the church in Corinth that we Christians in the 21st century, we didn't invent congregational conflict. Right? It's been there forever. There's divisions within the church in the 21st century. There was the Arian controversy in the 4th century. And you uh, 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 rewind the clock, there's even more issues that we find to be true in Matthew. I mean, it's not, it's unlike, uh, uh, it's very much like, I should say, any families that I know, including the family that is of my own. We have problems. It's just that here at Mars Park United Methodist Church, our family consists of over 5,300 members. It's just so that in the family that is United Methodist Church, we consist of over 9 million members worldwide. Is it any wonder that we have a difficult time coming to consensus about any one particular thing? Yes, we have problems. So, after 13 chapters of this, I mean, Paul really goes into it, and he tends to repeat himself. After 13 chapters of rebuke and call to repentance, how does Paul end his letter? Did you hear it when it was read by David? This is how he ends. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That should sound familiar. That is our benediction most Sundays. The love of God, grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Paul does not end with pointing of the finger, but Paul ends his letter, this very difficult and challenging letter, with a call to peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that the world cannot offer, but only the Lord can offer. Paul ends his letter to remind God's people, the church in Corinth and the church in the 21st century, that the love of God and the peace of Christ will be with us always, especially in times of challenges, to remind us you are not alone. You are not alone as you go through the trials and tribulations of being the church 
together. You are not alone in the face of different types of controversies. You are not alone in the face of fractions and divisions. You are not alone even in the midst of decline and even death, for we are a people of resurrection. Beverly Gaventa, the, the New Testament professor from Princeton Theological Seminary, asserts that for Paul, she writes, the relationship among believers has a Christological warrant. It is based directly on God's action in Jesus Christ. Believers do not belong to themselves. Believers belong to Christ, and the relationships among believers must reflect the one to whom they belong. Did you catch that? The very ethos of the church, the very strength of who we are, quote-unquote, the sustainability of the church is not so much about you and me. It's about the, the one whom we believe. It's about Jesus. What keeps us together is that the, the veracity of our faithfulness, perhaps, but primarily, above all else, it is the love of God that sustains us, keeps us together, that has kept us for over 2,000 years. Nothing less than Jesus Christ. So uh, we got divisions in the 21st century, Aryan controversy, 4th century. The Corinth church can't keep things together. That's like the first, second generation church, and they're having problems already. And then let's rewind the tape a little bit more. Let's look at uh, Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, uh, the disciples, there are 11 of them because they haven't elected the replacement for Judas yet. So there's 11. They gather in Galilee as they were instructed by Jesus. Okay? We read these words. This is how the passage ends. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Did you catch that? This is like toward the very end of the gospel. This is post-resurrection. They gather with Jesus, the resurrected Lord. They worshipped him, but some doubted. So this is what we know. You know, I never thought about this. It's kind of interesting. Some doubted. So we know that it wasn't one, and we know it wasn't all, but it could be two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Maybe it was majority. Maybe it was like eight or nine doubted, and Matthew's like, you know, I can't really write eight. Let's just put some doubted. Can you imagine? Some doubted. After all that they've gone through, with all the, the, the breaking of bread, the healing of the sick, after all the, the, the mercy shown, the forgiveness showered, all the sacrifices that they've made together, after the, the life, ministry, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, some doubted? Does that strike you? It strikes me. I wonder how Jesus felt. How would he respond? In Star Wars, episode four, A New Hope, there's a scene when an Empire Admiral sneers and raises a series of doubts about the old ways of the Jedi, and Darth Vader has one of the most infamous cinematic lines of all time. He says, 
I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> Sounds far more menacing when James Earl Jones says it. <laughs> how would Jesus respond? Do you recall how Matthew 28 ends? Last words. Jesus says to his disciples, remember, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. I'm so grateful that Jesus is not like Vader. He does not rebuke his little ones. He does not punish the doubters. He says, remember, I am with you always till the ends of the earth. Jesus says, you will never be left alone ever, especially in spaces of your doubts in seasons of your unknowing and searching. Know that even when you feel like you are searching in the dark, you are never alone. I am with you always. Being the beloved community that is the church is not about agreeing on one thing or a few things or all things but instead being the beloved community is nothing less than us looking toward Jesus to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And the antidote of doubt is not more knowledge, but the antidote of doubt is trusting in the loving presence of God, especially when we're in the darkness, to trust that in due time that Jesus will lead us toward the light to God's everlasting presence. And here's, the, here's what's so cool about it. We don't have to wait for God is already here. Whenever we invite God's presence to be with us, remember that God is already here with us. So here's, here's a mark of discipleship for today. Trust in the presence of God. Trust in the presence of God especially in seasons of our doubts, always. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Creator God, Holy One, maker of love and our source of joy. We give you thanks for the infinite variety of your creation. We bless you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image and that everyone is your beloved. Lord, in your mercy. Compassionate God, we seek your mercy today when we don't love interact, care, or include our fellow sister and brother as we ought. More so, we confess that we have chosen paths of least resistance. We've become silent, complacent, and acceptors of the status quo, just so life may be easy. We pray today that our eyes would see as yours do, that our hearts would soften as yours is, that we may truly be a people of inclusion and welcome personally, 
and as a church so that we are always seeking and standing with the most vulnerable. Lord, in your mercy. God, we lift to you this day the vulnerable communities, those that have been violated by violence, for our neighbors who are struggling for food, shelter, and dignity, and for our efforts to be loving neighbors and steadfast friends who walk beside and with them. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, today we lift to you the family of Michael Berry as they mourn his death and celebrate his life. And God, we lift to you the family of Muffin Dalton Grant as they mourn her death and celebrate her life. God, in these families' lives that are mourning, and the many more that are mourning today, we lift to you them, that your peace is known to be with them always, that we know that your presence is with us always in our times of mourning, whether it's sickness, whether it's our anxieties, marital turmoil, loss of friends and family due to small to large disagreements. We know you. We know you, O oh God, can move in holy and healing ways. So we pray for your healing and reconciling presence to be known in these situations. Lord, in your mercy. God, empower us today to walk in the way of love, to welcome the excluded and care for the vulnerable, to work for justice and rejoice in the spirit of life that Jesus calls us to lead. We ask all of this in Jesus' holy name, who taught us to pray as one family, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, church family, as we turn ourselves to give faithfully back to God, we just want to celebrate the robust young adult ministry that we have. We have more and more young adults coming into the life of the church, and it's through your faithful giving that this ministry will thrive in all the ministries that we have to change this world. So we invite you to give generously.
Gracious and generous God, what a joy it is to give back unto you. May these gifts enable us to participate in your work, to make things new, to create new paths, and to live into old paths of connecting people to your great love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. presence of our God is always greater than the sum of our doubts. Now, may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Mm -hmm. 